0: Welcome to Sales Cultures Redefined, where we transform people with purpose, income, and a better life. Here's your host, CEO of Sales Managed Solutions, Lance Cooper. Well, everybody, we're here with Chris Lawler from Savannah, Georgia, 27 years in Savannah, Georgia. And since I'm from Tennessee, I don't know, some of you up north may not be able to understand us, but we'll talk with as great addiction as we can. Uh, he's been working for a four or 5,000 sales rep company for seven years. Had some work with Hilton before that, that we'll talk about in a moment. He's got two lovely daughters, Monroe and Vera, uh, two years old and four years old. And That's right. He, yeah. He currently um, runs a sales team with about 25 reps, 10 stores. And this company has about 4,000 reps and 400 leaders, of which he is one leader, and his particular group is around second in the nation in income per rep and 19th in overall commissions. And we're excited to hear how he does that, How if it's always been perfect, if he's always been a perfect leader, which we don't want to hear. We we, we we want to hear the struggles, too, or the things we think uh, that Chris has uh, learned, and so I'm excited to talk with him, and thank you for being here with us, Chris. Absolutely,
1: Lance. Thank you. It's an honor to be on the show, and I look forward to talking to you about um, all the stuff we just spoke about.
0: Yeah. It's great yeah. to be here. That's super, super. Let's start all the way back to uh, before you came to your present company, uh, and you—you you told me you were with the Hilton, and I assume maybe that was the first thing you were doing before you were here. But um, well, was it, or was there something before the Hilton?
1: There was all sorts of things before oh, the Hilton. In, we'll talk about in college. It. Yes, okay. in college, you know, I worked the regular restaurant jobs. I worked some hospitality jobs, and the one that really took hold was with the hotel industry. And you know, I thought I saw myself progressing there. And the opportunity that presented itself was to be a manager at the hotel, but it required me to work overnight. And that kind of gave me a little bit of of second thoughts. I wasn't very good at working overnight. And, you know, needless to say, I explored some other opportunities and ended up in the room with Chris Canavan, our our recruiter here at Cellular Sales.
0: Yeah. But, you know, before you got with Chris and cellular sales and this uh, Verizon distributor arrangement that cellular sales has. The Hilton doesn't sound like sales to me, or at least I don't hear that. But the restaurant industry, a lot of folks come into sales from the restaurant industry because it's such a service industry. What was in the Hilton that, I mean, have you had sales in your bones before? Before you got no, in.
1: sir. So um, with the Hilton, it was not sales related at all. I worked uh, the front desk, I worked as an audit manager. Um, there was a bunch of different things they had us do, but it was not directly sales related. The hospitality jobs at restaurants was the closest thing to sales that I did prior to this job.
0: So why did you decide to do sales? You
1: know, it sounded like a fun opportunity the guy that referred me to Chris Canavan was doing really well with the company at the time. And really it just seemed like a a good chance to try something different. I didn't think of it really as a sales job. When I took the interview, I had no idea what I was walking into.
0: Gosh, was it? The money that attracted you or what?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When they told me some of the earning potential that cellular sales had, I wasn't sure what to believe. I didn't know if I was capable of earning the numbers they were talking about. But obviously that was a big factor in wanting to take that interview.
0: Well, that was a big deal to, for that transition because you hadn't been in sales before you had a friend and you, somehow you think you can do it. If he can do it, maybe. I don't, and then you took the leap, right?
1: Right. Yes. I um, pretty much jumped head first into it. And, a, you know, some of the things I remember was my first meeting with Chris Canavan when I was interviewing with him, He asked me directly how much money I needed to make to survive, what my goals were. And I remember basically being laughed at in that room. I (laughs) undershot the opportunity by a huge amount. And he just kind of looked at me and nudged, you need to say a higher number. (laughs) And uh, it was definitely awkward. But I remember my first year, I absolutely blew those numbers out of the water. and It just kept growing from there.
0: Wow. So your first year, you found out that you could sell.
1: Absolutely. Uh, ex- the exact number I gave Chris in that room was, "Hey, I think I need to make around two to three thousand dollars to survive," and um, I ended up making about eighty k my first year with cellular sales.
0: Oh, that's great to hear. Great to hear. And I, I know it pleased Chris, who was your recruiter. But so that first year, you're in sales. So, when did the transition to leadership begin?
1: Well, it took about a year or two. I mean, as anybody knows, coming into a sales job with um, no sales experience, it takes a little while for this stuff to click. A few months in, I really found my bearings and I started to do really well. And about after a year with cellular sales, um, I got a call from my general manager, Adam Jacobson at the time. And he wanted me to come in on my day off and meet with Josh and Brian, the two regional directors. And the first thing I thought was, oh, crap, I'm about to get fired. <laughs> and that wasn't what happened. You know, it was because of my performance so far, they selected me for a chance to pursue a leadership opportunity. And that's really when it started moving towards the leadership direction for me. I, I didn't see myself really as a potential leader. I just thought I was good at sales. And this was really a big change for me and a, also a big opportunity.
0: Well, you had some leadership in your background, at least as a manager for the Hilton, or did
1: you? I was in training. Yes. I mean, I was in training for those things, um, but I guess I felt like I was, I was still wet behind the ears in a sales job. I, I still was very new and a novice compared to some of the great reps we had in South Georgia. Um, I'm sure you're familiar that South Georgia has some of the best in the business in this part of the country. Mm-hmm.
0: So if we stretch all the way back to school, even high school or, or college, did, did you gravitate toward any leadership positions there in, in sports or in, in any way in the past?
1: That's probably the, the most primary connection I would have to leadership. I was very involved with baseball growing up. So I played baseball through high school at a competitive level, and then I ended up going on to play baseball in college at Savannah State, which was a D1 university. And obviously, baseball is a team sport, and I got very good at developing leadership qualities from a team aspect. I was a pitcher, and uh, you know, you're in control of the show as a pitcher, and
0: yeah.
1: um, I learned a lot from those experiences.
0: Well, that makes sense. So when you entered that room with, with Brian and Josh, what happened?
1: So they sat me down, and they were opening up this new position called store lead. It was a leadership opportunity to be a leader for a specific store. We didn't have anything like this before. And the goal was to improve the metrics for a specific store, work there five days a week and try and improve different categories of sales for that location. At first, I I was a little bit perplexed about how it would work, but they both, uh, well, both of them and Adam at the time said, you'd be a great fit for this. And um, I ended up with, the Buford store, which was the furthest one from my house, but it ended up being a great fit. I, I turned that store around. The numbers were great. By the end of the year, I actually won an award for that position. I was the sales rep of the year that calendar year as a store lead.
0: So you were the sales rep of the year while you led the store.
1: It was an award for um, best performance in the leading position and titled sales rep of the year.
0: Oh, wow. So when you walked into that store, this is not a store you had worked at before. Is that true or not true?
1: Um, i had worked there a little bit, but not five days a week to where I could have a huge impact on the location. Moving into the store lead position, I would work there five days a week. And the goal was to improve different categories and work with the team members that
0: were at that location. So was the transition easy? Did everybody just accept you as a leader and, and it was Shangri-La and here we go and no problem? Um,
1: well, you know, I I could say yes, but I definitely, it took me a little while to fill the shoes. As I said, going into that room with Josh and Brian and Adam, um, I don't know if I had full confidence in myself yet, but as I started to see that I was good at what I was doing, I got better and better. Seeing the numbers turn around and having an impact gave me that confidence boost I needed to become a better leader.
0: When you were a sales rep, what would you say your number one motivation was?
1: It was a mix of competition and setting my own personal goals. So I always like to compete with the other guys on the leaderboard. But what always helped me hit my goals the best was when I set a specific goal. That was the one thing that I knew if I was competing against myself for a specific target, that always drove me the hardest.
0: All right. Think carefully. Are you mostly motivated by competition or by specific income target?
1: Specific income targets.
0: That, that one drives you more than co- competitiveness? Yes, sir. Okay, so now you've got this team. What's your number one motivation now as a leader?
1: So I would pick different targets for improvement, but, you know, our, our bonuses and goals were related to income, so I was able to kind of merge the two together.
0: Okay. All right. So, so your team began to turn around in Buford, right? And and so I guess I would ask what's a what's a typical 30 day for you as a coach? What does it look like when you get up in the morning and go in and hear these people, customers walking in the door or customers not walking in the door? What's a typical 30 day for you?
1: Well, there's a lot more to the story because that role is completely different now. So, let's okay. go through the the store lead for the year was a great success. However, It was a great success for me, not necessarily all over the market. At the end of that year, we ended up disbanding the store lead program. So I was given the opportunity to become a sales mentor. And I felt like this was a little bit of a demotion. It was um, a different type of responsibility. And I didn't think I would be good at it. But what I did was I came up with a specific plan at my first meeting with my general manager, Matt Talton. I I had a plan broken down to where I could become the best mentor possible and actually do better income wise than I did as a store lead. That ended up working out great for me, but I really had to learn um, the nuances of training new people. Um, That was a completely different role for me. And I found I had a passion for training people. About a year after that, I won the Mentor of the Year Award, and that's when I transitioned into becoming a sales team leader, which is what my position is now.
0: Well, let's go back to the mentor position then. What, what was a, how did you typically approach a new rep in their first days of employment to move them ahead well?
1: So I always like doing a hands-on approach. I like to get to know the people that I'm helping. When I was trained, I wasn't given that hands-on experience. In fact, my my mentor didn't do a whole lot with me. I had to learn a lot on my own. Mm. And I realized that there's a lot to be said for someone that's highly involved in your, your initial training because that's what builds the foundation for your sales success. But I've really enjoyed getting to know my people, figuring out what mattered to them, and a good mix of helping them and then letting them figure stuff out on their own was a good balance for me as a mentor.
0: Well, I say, let's say I'm a new rep and how do you get to know me? Here we <laughs> well, are. <laughs> how do you get to know me? Tell me a little bit about yourself, Lance. What do you like to do for fun? I mean, would you do that? Would you sit down with them and just ask those kind of questions?
1: Absolutely. So background to the hospitality industry, you know, when you're checking people in or getting to know your guests, you're using these questions of discovery to get to know your client. I use these things in sales, but when you're, you're getting to know your your trainees, it's the same thing. You want to find what makes these guys tick and help use that information to help train them better.
0: How did you know that was the same? Because a lot of people can't make that, that transfer of understanding that the process of sales, which is understanding the needs and problems of somebody, right, and what they're looking for, is much the same for a new rep that you might train. You know, I want to know what they're looking for. And how did you make that? switch up there. Not everybody does that.
1: You know, I don't think I realized that it worked so well until I saw the success that I was having. It just kind of happened naturally where I feel like I'm good at at natural conversation with my customers and then with my trainees and using that information just kind of became second nature.
0: If I was going to ask you, what would be the three most important types of information that you would want to know about me, you know, I'm a new rep. What would be three things that you definitely would want to know?
1: Well, specific personal goals, um, income, obviously, some personal things that you're passionate about. So, some reasons that contem- that make up your why. Um, I've always been asked by my leadership, you know, you have to figure out your why, and when I'm working with the new hires, you have to figure out what their why is as well. So income, personal factors like that, and then some shortcomings, probably some things that are going to stand in the way. If we can help identify those things, that's going to help us get past them a little bit quicker.
0: Mm-hmm. What if I answer the questions in a way that I seem kind of hazy about any kind of personal goals out in the future? A lot of reps today really don't have a good idea about what they're ambitious for. What, what do you do then?
1: It's tough. It's, you can't make a goal for somebody because then they're not going to be passionate about it. If it's a personal goal, at least I can tell you an income goal or a smartphone or sales goal easily, and we can work at it together, but I can't make you passionate about opening a business or buying your first home unless you are. But hopefully with those work goals, we can help come to some personal and professional goals together. But that one's a little tricky.
0: Do you have some, is it sometimes tricky to actually get somebody to find their ambition?
1: Sometimes, but the ones that are motivated, they typically know what they want. They, they do usually have some outside factors that they're interested in. That's the one thing about cellular sales is a lot of the guys that we have, have that entrepreneur spirit. They have other passions. They're obviously motivated by money and, you know, we can find common ground. Usually a lot of us are interested in, in similar things and by becoming friends with these guys and learning them, we usually can come to those, those goals together.
0: Okay. So you became mentor of the year, but there were other opportunities now down the road. What was the next part of your story?
1: So I was a mentor for about a year and a half. Um, I was really, really good at it and I enjoyed it. I still was successful as a sales rep. And somewhere about a year, year and a half into being a mentor, my general manager called me and told me there was a position opening up as a sales team lead. And that was the big promotion that i had been waiting for. This was the opportunity to be a sales team leader to multiple reps, not new reps. And it was a you know significantly more load of responsibility this is when things changed for me on an income level and responsibility level. And I really had to take some time to fill those shoes.
0: Did you do great right off the bat?
1: I did good. Absolutely. My team did well, but I do think it took me a little while to fill the shoes of a sales team leader. I definitely saw myself, you know, as a leader, but that was a big jump for me. And it took me a little while to realize that, My bosses promoted me because they had confidence in me. And then that translated to confidence in myself.
0: So what was your most difficult challenge in that early going? Well,
1: like I said, I think it was just transitioning to becoming more confident in myself. I was easily, it wasn't a problem for me to get buy-in from my team. It wasn't a problem for me to have results. It was just different changing from having brand new people to coaching somebody that had been there longer than me or someone that was older than me, that was definitely a change.
0: What did you do with the people that were older than you? Well,
1: they obviously um, <laughs> respect me for my performance, and I just tried not to think about it. It was one of those situations where if I had veteran reps on my team, those were my, my first go-to people for being my, my go-to or my point guys. I always would look for up-and-coming leaders or existing leaders to kind of add additional responsibility to. So these guys that were veterans already or had been around longer than me, I just used their existing knowledge to help help my cause a little bit more.
0: So now give me a 30-day for you. You've got reps in a broader geographical area, different stores. Correct. And you said you got buy-in. So I assume there's something you did to get buy-in with the team at large as well as the individuals. So what did you do? How did you get buy-in from people? Because that's a difficult thing for some sales leaders.
1: Correct. So let's, um, let's just pretend this was the beginning of the month. About a few months ago, we, we shuffled up our sales teams pretty significantly. So I had a brand new team of 20 to 25 people. And what I did right off the bat was scheduled face-to-face one-on-ones with every single person on the team. So the first three to five days of the month, I dedicate to meeting with the sales team. And this wasn't just a meeting to say, Hey, how are you? What are your goals? But we looked at some specific numbers and trends. And the goal there was improving their individual smartphone production. So after that first three to five day meeting, we obviously go out and work our shifts around halfway through the month. We're tracking, um, we're going to be checking how we're doing with our tracking. We do an adjustment if necessary. We bump our goals up or adjust them down if needed. And we were um, scheduled with a lot of our team members so I could work you know physically with these people. And that was giving me the opportunity to see, well, these are some of the reasons behind the trends with each of these reps. When we get closer to the end of the month, we do a system called countdowns where we look at C-score, we look at their production, and we look at exactly what they need for the end of the month to hit the highest bonus level. And these are phone calls or in-person discussions. It's just going to be way more productive that way. We go through the numbers one by one and we update them as we get closer to the end of the month. But that's a rough estimate of our 30 day time frame, And then we start all over new month, new goals, same thing.
0: You know, when you look at your sales reps, you know, some of them, maybe sitting because there's not anybody in front of them because nobody walked in and others don't do that. Others maybe aren't as good face-to-face with people. Maybe, maybe they're new to this and they don't know how to handle the sales process itself. When somebody is in front of them, do you look at each individual rep that way to find what their particular problems are or coaching areas of most importance are for each one and then focus on that with those people. I, how do you approach that?
1: Absolutely. I mean we can we could find the strengths in each rep to be different. There's a bunch of different sales rep types in the company and working with them allows us to identify those. But one of the things that has been most u- useful is helping people with time management. you know we have a bunch of different systems for driving business, retaining appointments, And making use of that downtime in the store. Because you're right, some people are just flat out better at it than others. And some people need a little bit more attention. Mm -hmm. We have reps that are show team reps that are absolutely incredible. um, And we have people that are better at the customer service aspects. So yes, we do have to kind of figure out what the rep strengths are in order to coach them better.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, over the years, I've discovered that a lot of the factors around a sales leader's success has got to do with what that person values because the team tends to move in that direction if it's customer service fine if it's this if it's that it's this and so what i want to ask you and you, you may have to take just a moment to think about this as you're leading a team of people for this organization and if i went to them and asked them What are the three most important things that Chris values when he's leading you? What would you think they would say? The three most important things he values that I need to be focused on. Uh, But he he really values this, this, and this. Okay. I can think of
1: two right off the bat. Obviously, integrity is super important to me and my team. Uh, I hold myself to a high level of integrity. But I, I'm also a huge proponent of of constant improvement. And that's not just in the in work, in my personal life as well. If you're not trying to improve, you tend to be moving backwards. For a third one, I would probably say, I'm not sure the correct value for this, but I always I try to treat people the way I would want to be treated. And that relates to taking care of my team members when they're struggling, when they're succeeding. Because I know that my leaders in the past have done that for me. They saw opportunity in me, which allowed me to become the person I am today. That's my responsibility as a leader now is to give people that opportunity that was presented to me.
0: So what does low integrity look like to you?
1: Um, That could be a mix of lack of motivation or, you know, simple things like dishonesty or... You know integrity is a is a major thing in in sales. You're you're going to have repeat clients if you take care of them the right way and holding yourself to a high level is is what integrity is all about. What's good for the customer, what's good for cellular sales, what's good for Verizon. All of those things are huge factors in integrity.
0: So it sounds like you look more long-term and not just a short-term sale.
1: Absolutely. I I have a tremendous book of business from from working that way and I feel like you know that connection between treating your customers the right way and treating your sales reps the right way—it's going to benefit you in the long term.
0: And that second one that you focused on was always getting better or transforming. And you said that should extend not just at work but also into your personal life as well, right? Correct.
1: So we always talk about improvement. I mean, I I'm big into fitness, big into um, eating good, and and trying to improve myself in a personal manner. And you'd be surprised how many times I am talking with my sales reps. We're talking about stuff that's nothing at all related to work. We're talking about getting better at um, something specific, exercise or health related, or getting better at managing family issues. All of these things are factors in our development. And I believe personal development goes hand in hand with professional development. I mean, I found that to be 100% true for my, my situation.
0: Would you take just a moment and give me a sentence or two that describes a great sales culture?
1: A great sales culture. It's going to be breeding with positivity, winning, and the United desire to help others.
0: Yeah. That United desire to help others was actually the third value that you told me about. Um, But the, and the winning, I'm glad you said winning. What is winning to you?
1: So it could be a mix of things. It could be sitting on top of the leaderboard for the month. It could be buying your first, first house. It could be paying off all of your debt. I mean, it could be quitting smoking or losing
0: 20 pounds. There's that. a
1: whole bunch of ways you can be winning. And it doesn't just have to be
0: measured in VAPS. Hey, Chris, do you like to win? Oh, you know it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hearing that come through. Um, well, really cool. If I was going to ask you your number one weakness, would you know what it is as a leader?
1: You know, sometimes um, I could be, I suppose, a little short-sighted. I, You know, I I guess it's – I'm not 100% sure what to identify it as. I I try to be well-rounded, but I I don't know if I have a good answer for that one.
0: That might be something for you to think about, just what are your top three areas of improvement that you need to improve? Let's go to the numbers for a second. Sure. If I was to ask your sales reps what the number one most important number was to you that we need to hit, that number would be. So we always focus
1: on BLS and smartphones. So it's it tends to be BLS for the month, and smartphones is part of that picture. So I would say smartphones.
0: Yeah, for the audience, they wouldn't know what BLS is, but smartphones is one of your uh, products that you sell. Everybody knows what a smartphone is, right? So, Absolutely. So they, w- they would say your number one number that you focus on that you want them to hit is smartphones. It's interesting that when you sent me some, uh, some idea of what you had done well or what your team was doing well, you didn't focus on those numbers. You actually sent me there. You said you were Number two in the nation in income per rep, right? Correct.
1: So, the report that I focused on that was given, that gives me the opportunity to compare us against the entire country, that was total commissions. Mm -hmm. And smartphone is obviously the biggest piece of the pie that drives the metrics the most. That's the lifeblood of our business. So, smartphones and income per rep are pretty close tied together. So, when we focus on the smartphone goal per month, the income rises as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, You're very goal-focused, aren't you? So if
1: you don't have goals, you don't know where you're going.
0: (laughs) Do you ever have reps without goals?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I remember one of my friends that is on my team, actually. He told me verbatim that he comes into work without a plan. And that was the first thing that we had to change was you have to have a daily plan. You have to have a strategy. There's um, no way you're ever going to get where you want to go if you don't know the path to get there.
0: So how would you convince me if I'd never set goals before that I need to have goals?
1: Start simple. If you make some easy attainable goals, you're going to feel the positive benefit of actually hitting them. A lot of times people don't want to set goals because they feel like they're afraid that they'll fail. So if you give some easy ones to start with, just simple stuff, selling two to three smartphones a day, or, you know, paying off this debt by this date, you'd be surprised. People become motivated when they see they can do things they didn't think they could do.
0: Mm, Yeah. So if you were to say to new sales leaders, here's the number one challenge you're going to have to take over a team today in America of new reps. Here's what I've seen. I've been around seven years in this business now I have a team of 25 people. I recently, that was all shuffled around. I got new people. I'm always seeing this as a challenge. What is it?
1: The biggest thing is staying consistent. You know, you can come up with all of these goals and all of these plans, but if you don't stick to it, the plans aren't going to materialize. Well, how do you you do that?
0: How do you stick to it?
1: Um, I set short and long-term goals. I set a plan specifically for calling and talking to my sales reps each week. You do? You know, absolutely. I have a calling schedule that I try to stick to where I can get in touch with everybody. And that schedule that I talked about earlier with the Uh one-on-ones, it becomes second nature once you do it a few times. But you'd be surprised if you don't have that plan set up. A lot of those things get pushed to the wayside because we're very busy in our stores so the best way to stay consistent is to have a very detail-oriented plan. You know, those habits take a little bit of time to take weight, but habits create actions, and action creates success. And that, in my eyes, is the secret, is staying consistent with your habits. If you want to change your team's performance, you got to start somewhere.
0: Yeah, so what I heard was uh, you got to stay consistent. you got to start developing the habits. If you're going to meet with your people, keep doing it. <laughs> Uh, Absolutely. Keep the tracking going during the month so that they see consistency in what you do and, and they'll respond to that. Right. And, and, and I also heard you say you want a culture of positivity. Um, well, I lay, this has been really cool to listen to you, Chris, because I hadn't met you and Matt Talton told me, hey, you're the guy I needed to talk to. Uh, I think a lot of the things you shared will be super helpful for sales leaders, not only in your industry, but other industries as well. I mean, I loved what you said about getting to know people the same way you get to know customers. That's really cool. I mean, there are a lot of sales leaders that kind of are standoffish and become this manager type of person, right? Really never get to know people. And I think a lot of people today are looking for purpose and meaning. If somebody actually pays attention, they actually think they think the leader thinks they're important, which I think they respond to that, you know, much like a customer does when you actually listen to their needs. So I really have enjoyed hearing everything you've had to say. I, I just got one last question and then we'll sign this off. And the question is: you got a bunch of sales leaders out there that are going to listen to this. And if you were going to kind of nutshell everything for some wisdom for these people, what would you say at the very end here for a, a person that's wanting to get better as a leader?
1: Absolutely. So I definitely would double back down on the staying consistent aspect. But I think a huge factor in success and leadership is, is being and remaining humble. You know, there's no task that I feel like I'm too good for. And, you know, that might mean, you know, putting in the extra work at getting to know your team. When you were talking about that translation between getting to know your customers and then getting to know your team, I feel like that's the definition of servant heart mentality. When we look at the leaders in South Georgia and all the leaders that have trained me since day one, that's the common thread with us. We're united by the desire to help others. So that is a huge factor in becoming successful as a leader. That humility, that servant-hearted nature, and then the consistency in your actions over time. That's what's worked for me. And that's what I would urge other leaders to do.
0: Well, I'm glad at the end that you have focused on that character trait. That is a marvelous character trait, humility. Very difficult for me over the years to lose my pride and actually become the way you're talking about. You know what I really am glad about is that Vera and Monroe have a um, father like you
1: so blessed. I'm just beyond blessed to be a dad to two girls and it that's definitely been a learning experience as well.
0: <laughs> well, I can understand. I've got grandchildren and children and um, I hope they say I'm better than I used to be, but it's been a real pleasure and I hope that you'll you'll give me a call in the future, just let me know how you're doing. I'll certainly keep up with you and I want to thank you because I know all the folks that will listen to the podcast will be appreciative of your heart and your clarity and your authenticity. Thank you so much, Chris.
1: Absolutely, Lance. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: You're welcome. Goodbye. You have just listened to Sales Cultures Redefined. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play, and we'll see you at the next episode.